the Udisciple Podcast, where we explore the ins and outs of university life and unpack what it means to be a disciple on campus. I'm Sister Mary Helen. And I'm Father Nicholas Pierce. And we are here today with some very special guests. Special. <laughs> you are very special. You're very special, Andrew. <laughs> Come on now. Aww. <laughs> and more special, new, more special. new, new, vo- <laughs> new voice this week is Joe Mallum. Joe Mallum. Hello, guys. Very good to see you again. Very special. And Andrew, yes. why, why do you not think you're special? <laughs> no. Thank you. Thank you. I... I believe it now. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was a quick transformation. Um, if if you're tuning in for the first time, um, Andrew is one of the discipleship officers here at the Archdiocese of Melbourne um, and the voice of the podcast. So if you're sitting there going, he sounds like the guy in the intro. Well, yes. How is it? But we were just thinking um, that Joe's got a pretty good voice for podcasts as well. So, Hello, um, everybody. <laughs> See, now you've just made it creepy, but anyway. <laughs> so, Joe, tell us a little bit about yourself. You're studying at ACU. I am. I'm studying ACU. I'm studying full-time, um, and I work as uh, internship. Uh, I work in the internship, sorry, um, the discipleship internship in the parish sector. So, I'm loving it. I'm loving life, and i um, very happy to be here. And what's it like being back on campus this year for you? So, um, mm. you're at ACU. You're in your final year? I'm in my fourth year-ish. Um, I'm doing my placement at the end, well, next year, like, and probably halfway through because I'm just doing it like I'm doing three units rather than four. But anyway, yes, fourth year. Um, and it's really good being back on campus. Like, it's actually really, really amazing. Apart from being in classes with first years. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, it's like, hey, guys, how are you going? And then it silence and awkward and trying to Mm. spark up conversation but you know what it's good like people have been two years looking at a screen so it's like they can't just take the Lebanese guy who's like all up in their face and in their grill but anyway yeah fantastic um a few of us were present um recently at the Patrick Oration I know you were there Joe Sister Mary Helen yeah Um, it was lovely so for people who haven't heard it or haven't seen it it's available on the Archdiocese of Melbourne YouTube channel but ever since becoming the Archbishop of Melbourne the Archbishop uh has has given a, a a speech on the feast of Saint Patrick. Um, a bit, I call it the State of the Union. It's sort of like the American presidential sort of um, <laughs> State of the Union. And he so he gave that recently, and he spoke quite beautifully for me about um, young people in particular, mm. and reminded us that really the last large gathering our diocese had was sending uh, students to the Australian Catholic Youth Festival in Perth. And I know that you were involved in that, Joe, as well. Yeah. Do you um, still have your badge, Joe? <laughs> no. No. Oh, but <laughs> that do. was a great thing. St- it was cool. I still have the shirt, though. There you it's, go. Um, yeah. The windows from it. the cathedral. It was yeah, because he was using that imagery again because this year we celebrate, I think it's the 125th? Yes. Yeah, um, anniversary of the consecration of our cathedral. So he was speaking about the beauty of the the the, the light shining into our cathedral um, and then us going out and being that light in the world, which I think is a really lovely image for us. Um, so if you haven't had a chance to see it, um, it is available on the Archdiocese of Melbourne YouTube channel, which is, Andrew, what's the Archdiocese of Melbourne YouTube channel? Melbourne Catholic. <laughs> you decide. <laughs> <laughs> 
Melbourne Catholic. Org. 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 No, just org. You can always find it at melbournecatholic.org. If you have been listening to this podcast from the very beginning, you'll realise that for the first three episodes, we got our own website wrong. Oh, really? That's why you're only just listening to us now. If you're only just getting onto us, it's because we didn't even know our own website. So... But anyway, um, it's Lent and we've been working our way through um, Father Jacques Philippe's Time for God. So last week's episode, we tackled the first chapter where we looked at those conditions in the heart of, of a disciple that that um, facilitate prayer. And that prayer is not so much about what we do when it comes to mental prayer, but it's about how we, how we position ourselves to allow God to, to work in us, so we're talking about the fact that we need to have uh, an attitude of humility. We need to have right intention. We need to make a total gift of ourselves if we're if we're coming to prayer, and probably more than anything else, we need to be ready to persevere and to be faithful to times of prayer. So that was his first chapter. If you're reading along with us, and today we're going to really break open the second chapter of Time for God. Yes, and in the second chapter, he starts off saying why it's so difficult to give how-tos for prayer. And three reasons for that here are, firstly, that there's just a certain freedom that each of us need with the Spirit, that God leads each of us on our own path. And so you can't really mandate something for everybody. Um, Also, secondly, because there's a certain development in prayer. So sometimes what worked at one stage of your life does not work at another stage. So you can't generally say, you must do this. Uh, And then third, just the aspect of the mystery that there is about prayer. Um, But also it's interesting, even though this is mystery and you can't really put words to it, it's one of those odd experiences of sort of a a proof of God in a way that you can talk about prayer and you're really not present in the other person's prayer but there's some shared experience of yeah I I get it God is working in me too so it's kind of pretty interesting you're listening to the you disciple podcast where we put the you in disciple So we we're making our way through time for God. Um, and again, if you are a student at the uni- at universities here in Melbourne, uh, make sure you check out with your discipleship officer who's got free copies to give away this week on campus. So follow up with one of uh, your chaplains or discipleship officers. He, um, Father Jack really speaks about this idea of discovering the inner landscape, which I think is a really beautiful picture that when we sit down to pray, it's not so much about what we can do, but it's about sort of discovering this inner sort of landscape of how God can can work within us and those basic attitudes and dispositions because prayer and mental prayer in particular is primarily God's action, mm. not our action. And I think that's just one of the, the big sort of misconceptions about prayer. When we sit down to pray, it's what we can do to please God as opposed to finding a way to allow God to work in us. Yeah. Primacy of God. God is the protagonist. I mean, I think just yeah. the whole spiritual life rests on that. Joe, you were telling me earlier that sort of for you, there was this movement between sort of more um, sort of formal prayers, the rosary and things like that, to sort of a discovery of, of mental prayer and the ability to be quiet with God. 
Yeah, hundred percent. Um, in my family, we um, <laughs> prayer was a little bit of a a disaster. I think <laughs> I'm Lebanese, and um, so <laughs> we'd sit down with my dad and my mum, and my dad would say like the first half of the prayer in Lebanese, and then we'd say it in the other half in English, and it was like, oh. Anyway, so I, the, growing up, I thought the only way to pray was to pray the rosary or to just rattle off Hail Marys. But um, as I journeyed deeper into my faith, um, I discovered this thing called Lexio Divina um, and this whole idea that um, the Word of God is alive and active, and that's from Hebrews. Um, and so, like, I take that very literally. Like, God is speaking to me through His Word, um, and He does speak to us. And so just, like, making myself quiet, like digging deep into the Word, um, has just yeah revolutionized my prayer life and yeah it's 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 my favorite way to pray it's like you can just it's very therapeutic um <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah yeah i find that like it's yeah i find that as it, it's always just a natural progression of um of prayer is you know as 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 a kid you're formed in in the rosary you're formed if you have yeah good parents that are passing on the faith to you um especially as uh, so me being Simone, the very culturally Catholic background, it's just prayer equals what you do and what you say. And mm. um, even when I started to commit to an hour of prayer every day, it was, it was very much about, all right, I have my schedule of an hour. I have maybe 20 minutes of journaling and maybe 15, 20 minutes of rosary. And then uh, maybe the last 20 minutes can be uh, a reading uh, of some sort. But I don't know, just over the past few years, it's just been less and less about what my actions are and more and more about how much time and space can I give just to be still, be quiet and yeah. And just let the Lord do his work because it, it's go- always going to be different. Like your the time that you have, but also, you know, and just the energy that you put into to various aspects of prayer. But I think one of the most important is just having that, that little space or as much space as you can for, for the Lord to speak. Funny times. I, I remember as a kid, uh, I learned a very cheesy song, <laughs> but it's the first prayer I remember making on my own. I can remember exactly where I was. I was standing in the backyard, leaning on a swing. I started singing this song to God. It was, hello, my God, it's me singing, right? This is a cheesy like, song we it's learned. It's like Adele before Adele. <laughs> uh, is oh, I don't even know anything oh. about Adele. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that was my first honest prayer. And as cheesy as it was, mm. it actually set up the right dispositions for prayer. Okay, hi, God, it's me. What's going on? Mm. It was great. It's awesome. And I think it's just really important because we're not saying um, throw out the rosary, throw mm. out the scripture, throw out the, um, mm. the divine office. Like vocal prayer plays a really important part in, in the spiritual life. But we're saying that as our spiritual life develops, we, like any good relationship, move beyond words. Um, mm. And Father Jacques uses the reference in here like like a good um, like a good romance, like... The more people fall in love with each other, other, the more comfortable you become in just being in, in each other's presence. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and that it moves beyond words. Uh, mm. And so he speaks about this um, disposition of being able to say, I'm, I'm willing to put myself in the presence of God and stay there. Mm. That mm. is prayer. Exactly. And if you do that, it works, you know, in terms of works, it it. It's impossible. I think he gives a little example there. It's impossible to be in a fire and not get burned. Yeah. It's impossible. Mm, yeah. And sometimes I look at the old sisters in our community and you just look at them and they're kind of 
it's baked in, you know, <laughs> baked in prayer. Yeah. They're just, yeah. Yeah, he says, well, <laughs> you cannot stand in front of a fire without being warmed. Right. And then I think the Australian one, you cannot stand in the sun without getting a tan. Yes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> or burned. <laughs> like, the more you do it. like, And I think this, again, is just that reminder that as we set out to do this, as we set out to go in that deepness in relationship with the Lord, we need to put our ego on the back burner and say, I'm actually placing myself in the presence of God. He is going to do the work. Yes. Um, if I sit down to pray and my first thought is now, what do I have to do mm. to build my relationship with God? Then we're starting from the wrong position. So yes. it's actually about going in there and saying, I am just going to place myself in your presence I'm going to put myself before your love and allow you to do the work yes. within me. And sometimes you might not feel like you're a great asset to him. You walk in. I remember someone used to say, okay, Lord, today I'm just a sack of potatoes, but I'm your sack of potatoes. And it was really funny because I saw Francis de Sales, the little quote here, he says, he used to pray, Lord, I'm nothing but a block of wood. Set fire to it. I thought, oh, that's much better than a sack of potatoes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm a sack of potatoes. Make me like chips. But it goes against everything that the world would tell us. Yes. And we, we just drill in ourselves that we need to do all the work. Um, but he really points out that passivity in prayer is actually where the growth happens. If we're willing to actually sit in the presence of God, place ourselves there and let him do the work, that's where the real growth happens, which yes. is just so countercultural um, and counterintuitive. Mm. Counterprideful. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think this idea like of prioritizing mental prayer over vocal prayer um, is was quite controversial to me. I was reading this book, um, The Fulfillment of All Desire by Ralph Martin. Great book. And yeah, really good book. Highly, highly recommended. Um, but he was like he was quoting the um, the spiritual doctors of the church, St. Teresa of Avila, John on the Cross, and they all just say mental prayer needs to be prioritized over vocal prayer. And I was like, wow, this is very controversial. Like, I'm like, wow, I don't think this is known. Anyway, it wasn't known to me. Um, but yeah, I, I find that whenever I have, I just call it Jesus time, <laughs> whenever I have my Jesus time, just, you know, even if it's 20 minutes just with the scriptures, a bit of silence, I find that the rosary gets enriched as well and all my other vocal prayers get enriched, mass. Um, but, but yeah. So I think um, he speaks in this second chapter, if you are following along in the book, about the fact that when we place ourselves in the presence of God, one way that we sort of can really enter into this um, spirit of mental prayer is by um, acknowledging a number of certain theological truths about God that really help us come to understand um, how this works. So it's, again, this isn't something that we have to create for ourselves. It's something that we believe about God. So the first is that he is the prime mover. And that's what we've been discussing about. We don't have to do it because he's done it first. He's called us to be, he's called us to into creation and he's called us into relationship with him. So he's that first sort of mover of all things. The second one is then, of course, his love. And this is a key um, understanding for us if we are going to deepen in our relationship with him is that he loves us yeah. and that we are, we are worthy of his love. Mm. 
and we spoke about this a little bit last week about the fact that sometimes we don't believe that. And if we don't believe that in ourselves, if we don't believe that we're worthy of love full stop, let alone of God's love, then that relationship of prayer and any deep real mental prayer is going to be much harder. Yeah, his love makes us worthy, right? Mm. I mean, he's, yeah. Mm, absolutely. Um, I think it, it also, if we have an image of God of like a mix between Colonel Sanders and Zeus, like who, <laughs> like this like guy who's a tyrant in the sky, um, and if we don't have an image of God is love, like he is love itself, he loves me, um, then it's going to be very, very hard to go to prayer. And, um, yeah, just that image of God. Who do you think God is? Um, and if he's not love, then you're going to have a hard time praying. Yeah, I remember when I was discerning um, whether I should join the Dominicans and I was having a hard time of it and I went, went to the chapel, sat down, and it was really interesting. It was just this concept. I, what I was seeing was oh, there's a disposition in this community that I am a child before God. That I'm a child and God is everything and he's doing everything and I'm coming to him needy, little. And it's beautiful. You just embrace. And I think perhaps in my growing up, my formation was much more, I'm a soldier. I'm going to go out and I'm going <laughs> to yeah. go and do good things for God and, you know, spread, the, you know, the gospel. And, and it was really upside down uh, where when that when that click happens, no, 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 I'm just a child mm. and God is my father and he loves me mm. and uh, I'm coming to prayer completely needy and and loved. Mm. It was mm. just a beautiful. So it just really changed the way that I prayed, I think. I had a mind-blown emoji moment. Um, <laughs> on if you're, if you're reading along with us on page 54, um, and there was just one of uh, like a line that I think will will stick with me forever. And it's just this. And again, it's one of those things. There's nothing new here, but sometimes he's just got this ability of being quite pithy in how he says things. So he says, "Our first task, rather than doing anything, is to allow ourselves to be loved." Yes. Yeah. And it was just like, <laughs> like <laughs> beautiful. Yes, like, I can vouch for that. When I sit down to pray. My first task, rather than doing anything else, is to allow myself to be loved by God. Mm. Beautiful. So good. It's not easy though, isn't it? No. Well, we think it's easier to, to try and go and love rather than to receive love. Why isn't it easy? It's kind of like St. Peter, like, go away from me, I'm a sinner. Like, I don't want to, it's like, I don't know, whenever I feel loved in my brokenness, I'm just like, ah, go away. Like, I don't. You know, like I don't, I don't want that. I don't know. It's just this weird sort of thing of like, no, nah, I don't, because I think it's easier to, yeah. Anyway, I don't know. Yeah, I think for me it was a, a like, yeah, growing up it was always a, a control thing. It's like I, I want to be in control of of outcomes, and I want to be in control of of where my life is heading. And so I think, in a sense, that spills over into prayer. It's just like if if I want my life to be moving towards something, I have to keep doing all these things to hopefully attain. You know, yeah. whatever whatever it is that that I'm praying for. So yeah, there's also you know a bit in in that. In I do good works because I hopefully the Lord will hear my hear my prayer. But um, yeah, I think there, there's you know when I was in high school, there was there's just that crossroads that every young person hits at usually sixteen, seventeen. It's like why do I or w- why am I Catholic? And 
on top of that, it's like, why do I pray? Um, yeah, and I think for the ones who, who are able to kind of stick it through, it is it is something different. It's not, I, I go to youth group because I, I, I love my friends there, or it's, I, I go to, um, I'm, I pray because it makes me feel good, but it's it's this whole transformation. It's like I pray because because of love. Like I I am Catholic because of love, and mm. and the the faith in Jesus Christ is is the purest form of love that I can find in this world. So that's that's what I'm looking for. Um, and I think that's a great thing about prayer is that your whole life is going to be you dis- di- discovering what love means through prayer. Mm. I think. Um, if people are looking for practical tips, I realize we're halfway through our second our second episode on on prayer and and this is very much how he tackles it in the book. There's really no practical tips. But one is that <laughs> thing of every time I sit down to pray and the focus shifts to me, I need to shift it back to God. Yes. yes. And I need to shift it back to God's love for me. Yes. Uh, as soon as I sit down and I start thinking, what am I doing? How can I do this? What can I do better? Uh, what's the next thing that I need to do in order to, no, stop and go, God loves me. Mm. He, he is here for me. He's called me to this moment. He's working in and through me, even if this is bad. And that's one of the beautiful things that comes up. And he references a number of the different saints. But even if it's bad, God is still here and he, he's working through this because he's called called me to this time of prayer. So, I can't find where he said it because uh, I think he has a little quote from Teresa of Avila saying, in prayer what counts is not to think a lot but to love a lot. Yeah. And then I think he sort of goes along somewhere else and says, in prayer, do whatever promotes love. Yeah. Uh, whatever uh, promotes more love. On page 55 he speaks about the fact that whatever thoughts, considerations, inner acts – that can nourish and express our love for God or make us grow in gratitude for the love that he has for us. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that's prayer. Yeah, mm. it's nice and simple. Yeah. Yeah, uh, one of the most powerful experiences that I find and uh, that I get to live that is um, Eucharistic adoration. I think that's that's such a concrete way where I remember being um, going to an event where there was Euchar- Eucharistic adoration happening and you could you could just sense that um, there in the monstrance is is the Lord, and all of this attention and love is is being radiated towards the monstrance. And uh, yeah, there was this moment where I realized I could I could actually see my reflection, just because I was I don't know somehow dead center in the middle. <laughs> I could see my reflection in the monstrance, but I could, I I just had that was the moment where I realized that all of this this attention and love that is being, you know, outpoured into to the monstrance by hundreds and thousands of people in this moment that is being reflected back to us tenfold. Yes. And just I could not fathom how much, um, yeah, it's like I, I actually can't deal with how much uh, how much love that is coming towards not only all of us, but that's it's tenfold in each and every single one of us in, yeah, in our intimate relationship with the Lord. And he moves on to that in the chapter where he speaks about that next truth, which is the humanity of Jesus. This is my favourite part of this chapter, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Mm. And this is, that in Eucharistic adoration, in his word and presence in the scripture, in his presence in creation, we can experience him mm. and that we should, in our prayer, use the humanity of Jesus and the fact that he entered into our human existence as a way of growing in, in closeness to him. 
Yes, because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean Jesus makes love visible. He came to reveal the Father. So we, our little brains cannot possibly grasp God. So God comes down and grasps us. You know, like He comes and makes Himself visible, makes love visible, but also makes who we're called to be visible. Mm. So just gazing on on Jesus Christ is is prayer like the best prayer because it gives us i mean we're we're body and soul and he knows that and being able to hold on to the humanity of christ it's 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 a deception that trees of avila experienced in her own life to try to think to go beyond christ somehow i'm going to go off in this spiritual cloud of unknowing or whatever (laughs) no it's a that's a deception we hold on to christ himself and there we see the father and the thing i love about that is the, that incarnational uh, idea that we just need to be in his presence, yeah. like be present to him. And so uh, Father Jacques speaks about like gazing upon an icon. Yes. Uh, putting ourselves before the Lord in the Blessed Sacrament or just simply gently repeating his name. Mm. Like, yep. But using, using our body, like using, using our voice, using our physical presence – um, in and of itself can be prayer, like just, and that can be enough if our gaze and our focus is on him. It doesn't have to be more complicated than that. Right. And he actually says, like, aim for simplicity, simple acts of love beyond words or thoughts. This is what the Lord desires from us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that loving gaze that you speak about, is, it's beyond an intellectual thing. Oh yeah, it's it's not thinking about God. Yeah, it's not giving him a treatise on his nature. Yeah, no. it's <laughs> just simply loving. And again, warning, warning, warning. We we sort of say it's just this easy. We know it's not easy. It's not always easy. It's really hard. Like simple, but it is simple. Mm. <laughs> it's simple yet challenging. Mm. Yeah, I think um, it's whenever it's hard to go to prayer is when I my identity is tainted. So it's like sometimes I can. Um, I can identify myself with my sins or my failures or my weaknesses. Um, but there's just been working through some things with my spiritual director and, and just like this song by called Belovedness by Sarah Kroger, it's this whole idea of you don't identify yourself with your sins or um, your weaknesses but with his love and that he loves us and I'm his child and that's my identity, not I don't identify myself with my sins. And this is, my f- this is actually my favourite part of the chapter where he speaks about God being present in our hearts. Yes. So whilst we can access God present in, or Jesus present in his humanity, we can also access him dwelling in our hearts, Mm -hmm. in the indwelling of the Holy Spirit within us. And he has this line that while our human heart can be full of sin and wretchedness, Mm. deeper than any sin and any wretchedness is the presence of God. And it's like, yeah, second second mind blowing <laughs> sort of emoji for the for the for the chapter. It was just like, yeah, like yeah. deeper than any of my human imperfections mm-hmm. is the love of God. Yeah, present in my soul. And when we don't think we we should be near Him somehow, you know, sometimes there's one of those tricks like, oh, I'll get myself figured out and then I'll come to prayer when I'm ready. Mm. Uh, you know, sometimes you just think of those gospel passages, for example, when He cures the leper. 
and he reaches and touches the leper. You know, his skin's disgusting. He smells terrible. And that does not prevent, like Jesus is like, of course I want to heal you. Mm-hmm. And he, be cleansed. That just the gazing inward to Jesus, not to yourself, but to Christ in us, is very humbling. Yeah. Like kneeling down in our heart to honor the mystery that he has come down to be in the middle of my mess. Mm. And he's okay with that. He will heal that. I can't fix that. He He's not disgusted by me. He yeah. loves me and comes to heal. Yeah, and this is just that, that pursuit that Christ has for us. In yeah. um, I th- think just how powerful it is, is that that pursuit is constantly happening whether we're giving time for God or not. Mm. True. And so once we once we are able to understand that that our hearts is a dwelling place for the Lord. It's like your prayer can happen literally anywhere. Like, yes. so I yeah, I just remember when um so before working in this job, I was doing factory work where it was six to six. So that meant that I couldn't get to any morning mass. And where I live, there's just no evening masses. So it's like, well, where in that six to six factory <laughs> while I'm sitting in a factory can I find place for God? And and it was literally while I'm packing boxes um, at a machine where I can't hear anything besides my own thoughts, it's in that dwelling place. It's like, all right, this is going to be my time where I get to, um, yeah, dedicate this two, three hours that I have by myself with this machine just to pray. And it's like the Lord is reaching me here. And he says, um, and I'm going to I'm going to throw in the Catherine of Siena quote here because, <laughs> sister, okay. I was waiting for you to bring it in. But oh, I'll, I'll just pick up where you leave <laughs> off. Huh? Like go into the inner cell. Yeah. Um, of your soul, mm-hmm. that that is where you find the Lord. The closest, the closest he we find in the in the book so far to him actually giving a a pattern for prayer or what to do is on page sixty four, where he says simply recollect yourself, keep silence, enter into your own heart, rejoin there the presence of God who is within, and stay peacefully with Him. Third emoji, mind blown. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and it's the amazing. context for that is that a cell in a, in a convent is where it's your little piece of heaven. It's really chelly, right? It's a little piece of heaven that you have, and that's your refuge. That's where you go to be with the Lord. So when you're not somewhere else, that's where you, you are. And so when Catherine spent her early days there in her room, and then God called her out, and it was hard for her to go out but she said, I'm going to build that cell in my heart. So I've actually never left. I'm still in that place where I have that intimacy with him. The, I think the, the line he says at the end of this chapter is that all of this, the truth of this is so important and of such immense importance, not only for prayer, but for our life. Mm. Like if we understand this, if we grasp this in our prayer life, then the rest of our life will be changed also. Yes. This is the You Disciple podcast. For more information on what's happening on a campus near you, go to udisciple.melbournecatholic.org. That's all we've got time for, friends. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Andrew, for joining us again. Sister Mary Helen, as always, a pleasure. 
Um, hoping to see you on and around campuses around Melbourne as we continue to work our way towards Easter. Just a reminder that if you if you are from Melbourne, you can pick up a copy of Time for God from one of your chaplains uh, or discipleship officers. Otherwise, check out the website, Andrew, which is youdisciple.melbournecatholic.org. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, yeah? Just .org. Just That's yeah. .org. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, check it out for all the different activities and events that are happening on and around campus. But otherwise, thanks for listening. And See you next week. See you next week. Whether you've been listening to us on the tram, in the library, or on your way to class, Thanks for listening to this week's You Disciple podcast. Share, like, and subscribe, and we hope to see you on and around campus. The You Disciple podcast is a production of the Catholic Archdiocese of Melbourne.